Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you, as always, uh, here this Thursday evening, uh, July 28th. It's hard to believe, but we're getting ready to close out another uh, month and uh, pretty much mid-summer, I guess you would say now. Um, everybody's well entrenched into their uh, golf season and hopefully enjoying some rounds and uh, watching uh, a lot of uh, the events uh, on the uh, on the television, of course. Uh, a lot of good stuff, both with the men's and the women's tours, a lot of things going on. Um, but happy to have you guys joining me here Thursday night. Just remember, uh, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, best way to find us, obviously, for those of you that are here, you know where to go. Uh, but uh, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live is our main uh, web page and uh, we're live as I said Thursday 6 to 8 p.m. central uh, for some reason if you can't join us that's okay just visit that link scroll down to the on-demand section and all of the previously aired shows uh, will be there in their entirety including tonight's will be there a little bit later on after the show uh, but uh, also you can go anywhere actually really any podcast whether it be iTunes uh, Stitcher um, uh, Spotify, anywhere that uh, virtually you find uh, podcasts, you will find Golf Talk Live there. Um, all right, we've got a great show tonight. A little bit of change to Coach's Corner. One of the uh, chaps, as you will, uh, unfortunately had to back out last minute. Uh, something came up, a uh, uh, personal matter that he had to address, and uh, we totally understand. Um, so I'm going to be joined by my good buddy, John Hughes, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be also joined by a special guest, Paul Guzman, the VP of Marketing and Distribution for Batcaddy. is going to be joining me uh, a little bit later on in the broadcast. So I'm excited to have him on, first time on the show. And we're going to talk about some of their uh, great uh, products and, and uh, what's new and upcoming for uh, the season and, and what has been happening this year with them. Uh, a lot of uh, growth, of course, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on with Paul. But uh, let me bring up my good friend, uh, John, and we'll uh, get into tonight's discussion. He and I will uh, hold the fort down, as I say. Uh, as I mentioned, John Hughes is going to be uh, joining me this evening on Coach's Corner. He's a PGA Master Professional and the Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section. Uh, he was also the recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Horton Smith Award. Uh, he's a Senior Editor and a Golf Tips 25, uh, Top 25 Instructor. Uh, plus part of the Golf Tips advisory staff, and uh, he's become a good friend over the last uh, decade or so since we've been doing the show and, and other things. Uh, so please welcome my very special guest tonight on Coach's Corner, John Hughes. John, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ted. Can't complain. Thanks, as always, for the opportunity to share and grow the game through the podcast. Always a pleasure. Well, I appreciate it. And as I mentioned 
Uh, Clint uh, Wright, who normally uh, would have been joining uh, usually at the end of the month, uh, unfortunately had to back out. So you and I are going to sort of hold things down. So we're going to talk about two different uh, areas. We're going to talk about from the player's perspective, and then we're going to be talking from the teacher slash instructor slash coach perspective as well. So um, I thought what we would do is we'll talk about the uh, coach's perspective, if you will, and then we'll transfer over uh, and do as much of the other as we can, uh, given our time. So, um, so I want to ask you, I guess, right off the, the bat, um, is what does a, a teacher, coach, instructor, however you, uh, you know, those in the profession uh, want to be referred to as, need to do to prepare um, both for the season uh, and for students, obviously it depends on the individual students. Uh, some things are going to be different, and we're going to get into specifics. So just sort of give us a general overview. What do you do to prepare each season when you're getting ready to work with your clients? Um, and do you do anything special to prepare uh, for a lesson? That's a great question. Very timely too, because I'm actually at the tail end of my yearly review and planning for my operational year, I actually look at my academy operation in two different calendars. There's a financial and marketing calendar, which basically follows our normal calendar, but then there's an operational calendar that I look at as being July 1st through June 30th. So most of the month of June, most of the month of July, I'm actually reviewing everything me, my other coaches, my team has done, what we've done well, what we haven't done well, Uh, what new programs we can fill in, locations, ideas, and such, which should we sunset. And this is purely business planning, obviously, Mm -hmm. but this all sets up how the client or potential client sees us and first engages us, uh, whether it be through email, text, phone call, uh, a personal one-to-one meeting. Uh, that that in itself is from a 50,000-foot level, uh, very, very in, uh, detailed is the way I'd say it. All my team members participate. And by September 1, we pretty much have everything in place with an October 1 deadline of everything's in place. If we're going to change technology, everybody's up to speed by October 1. If we're going to institute something new uh, from a website standpoint of view or how we communicate to clientele, any uh, agreements with coaches, that kind of thing. It's all set in stone by October 1 for a lot of different reasons. And that what that allows is a team to understand how to go about preparing when we are at our busiest time of year, uh, which typically will start out in Florida late September, early October, uh, taper off a little between Thanksgiving and the holidays, and then really jumps into gear January through May, slight little mm-hmm. low May through June, and, and then it's cyclical all over again. Uh, from the preparation for clients, there's a lot that goes in it. There's a lot that I've always demanded of myself just simply because everything I've always done to this point has been one-to-one or two-to-one. So it's always about finding out more of my clientele than just their golf game. What do they do for a living? where they live, what might their other life priorities be, uh, what else are they going to do while visiting me, or if they live local, what else do they do, uh, what are the other things that they're interested in. 
because all of this helps me understand how to put together tent delivery is the way I would say it. Uh, not everybody's built the same way. Not everybody's going to be ready to move on at the same moment. Even if I were to plan out, say, five hours for you, it's going to be different mm -hmm. for everybody else I coach. So having all this information allows us to bend and flex. It allows us to understand what technologies to use with certain people, if we have to use any at all, or if we have to use them all. Everybody's a little bit different that way. Mm -hmm. And then over the past four or five years, I've picked up a lot of competitive players. So a lot of the preparation for the competitive players can actually be one-to-one -one with everybody, planning schedules, planning tournament calendars, planning when we need to sit down and create a player's resume if they're going to college, uh, how to go about putting together practice plans, which may include other experts on my team, such as fitness or sports psychology. So uh, I would say uh, I'm sort of a medium-sized, small to medium-sized academy. But mm -hmm. I think if you boil it down to the larger academies there at scale doing the same thing I'm doing as, as, as the fledgling smaller ones as I've been in the past, it's all about planning. It's all about preparation. And, and it's we try to have our clientele understand the preparation we put into it so they understand how important it is for them to be not only prepared for their coaching sessions, but if they're competitive, how to go about preparing to play. Right, right, exactly. And, and there's a lot. And I think a lot of people um, don't really appreciate. You know, they just think you show up on the lesson tee and the way you go. Uh, but there's a lot of thought process. You know, you mentioned earlier on um, about how you sort of assess, uh, in a sense, and I'm sort of watering it down, of course, but, you know, what, what's worked, you know, this past season, what, what's been productive, what's not been um, as successful. So you, you sort of swap some things out. You might say, okay, well, this particular program didn't seem to yield as uh, good a result maybe as we hoped for. So we're going to implement something new. Um, do you try to, and, and, and that's why I'm going this direction, I'm going to follow up with a question here, and, and that is when it comes time for a new season as you're going preparation right now, do you try to implement something new each season um, just to make it you know, freshen up, make it a little bit different from year to year, uh, or does it really depend on the assessment at the end of the year? whether or not, you know, we stick with the status quo uh, or we're going to add something new in here, see if we can kind of juice it up a little bit. What, what are your thoughts? It's a little bit of both, Ted. I, I would say if there's a glaring need, if, if I look back at quests we've had over the past year and, and we're not fulfilling a certain type of request with a certain type of program, uh, that's certainly on the table for discussion and possible implementation. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not necessarily we got to do something new every year. I will say the theme is to evolve. Uh, how do we get sure. better at what we do, but not necessarily to do something new. Uh, I'm a big believer as a coach. I'm a big believer as a business owner that if it's not broken, let's not try to right. fix it. But having an understanding of how to evolve it is much different than fixing mm -hmm. it. Uh, I think I probably sunset more ideas than I create 
new ideas just for the sake of throwing it out there and doing it. Uh, it, it took me quite a while to jump on board with Operation 36 as my only group instruction program. Uh, it probably took mm-hmm. me, I was an early, early understander, I would say, of that program. It's, it's a wonderful program, but it did not necessarily meet the immediate needs of my academy. And four or five years later, I see myself actually doing that for the past couple of mm-hmm. years. But at the same time, as much as that need and demand was there two years ago, is it still there now? Is it still uh, worth being part of our academy curriculum, our, our, our programs that we offer? Everything's always up for discussion. Everything's always up for review. Uh, it, it's just a matter of what makes the most sense, what's the best use of our time. Everybody on my team knows that I'm a big believer in using our time correctly. Uh, simply because it's our only non-renewable resource. So that's ultimately how we're looking at programming for our clientele as well, is it's the best utilization of their time. And, and what have they shown us as far as participation numbers related to that? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, and it, it comes down to a time management for both sides, for both the player and obviously um, the coach as well. Um, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I think when you look at – uh, and I see this sometimes when I'm, um, you know, kind of surfing around and, and looking what some others are, are doing, um, you know, just to kind of see what, what's happening. And, and, you know, we're both on social media and, you know, we see things all the time. And there are some that I see are constantly changing. And I wonder sometimes uh, if maybe it may not always be such a good thing. And that's kind of why I asked you that question, because I know you've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, uh, over 30 years, of course, but um, it, it's one of these things that sometimes if you're trying to do too much or trying to change too much, then maybe you're not necessarily analyzing what's going on to the best of your ability. And, and that's not, to, um, not to meant to be a criticism, but I think it's important, again, as you do this sort of year-end uh, assessment or, or partway through your season, what have you, um, you know, sort of looking at things. Because, you know, you're going to get students here and there that say, hey, I'd love for you to do that, but it may only be one person that's really interested. And that could be something you could maybe customize depending on what it is for that particular student. But it may not necessarily be something that you want to broad stroke it over the entire academy if there's not really a lot of interest there because, again, it comes down to time. So I'm just kind of interested about Correct. that. So I want to get into – right. So I want to get into some specific things um, – preparing or what you're looking for as an example as an instructor you know against last coach what are you looking for during the lessons when you're stepping up and you can use either or you know a new student or an existing student uh, again you don't have to name names or anything but uh, whatever example you feel is is uh, you know is going to serve the question best but um, so as an instructor in that what are you looking for during the lessons when you first step up on the lesson team you're you know you're meeting Joe or, or Jane or whatever the case is what are you looking for? What is what is your approach from that standpoint? What what happens next? Well, I get to Falcon's Fire a minimal of an hour prior to any coaching session scheduled simply because I need the time to start getting my mind ready to pick up the nonverbal cues, to, to clear my senses 
of any outside distractions. And what that allows me to do is pick up simple cues such as this person's always five minutes early, why are they 15 minutes early? Where they're always 10 minutes early, why are they 10 minutes late? It literally starts mm-hmm. that way. It also starts with how are they warming up and, and talking to them as they're warming up about what's transpired prior to them showing up for their first coaching session with me or since their last coaching session. Uh, I'm, I'm constantly, uh, the typical word used is quizzing uh, my clientele. Mm-hmm. It's not because I'm nosy. It's, it is because I'm inquisitive about where they may feel they are that particular day, not only within mm-hmm. their game, but within their lives. Um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody showed up and they had just won a tournament, had never told me about the tournament, even though I've been asking them about it for a long, long time. Are you playing tournaments? And they were just trying to hide it from me. Did I sense it? Uh, I sensed it a little bit prior, but not to the extent where they just went off, played a tournament, and came back with a trophy. It it was pretty cool. (laughs) But at the same time, you can get somebody to show up and and it's obvious that they're not having the best day, whether it's a health issue or a family issue or whatnot. Um, Maybe they're physically having issues themselves. They're not able to move the right way. Uh, It's it's very often because I view my clients as being committed. They, They do a lot of practicing, and some of them will sometimes overdo it. And it's sometimes very noticeable as they're making swings, and we have to make adjustments that way. So clearing my head, being able to see the nonverbal while asking for the verbal cues is really important as we get into a coaching session. The communication back and forth is invaluable, and it allows me to bend and flex as the time goes on. It allows me to understand if they're at a fatigue point or if they're ready to move on to something else or if they've literally changed their mind mid-coaching session and said, hey, let's go do this on the golf course. I think I've got this. It's literally just being ready for the unexpected and Mm -hmm. having some type of, of not necessarily plan B or plan C, so much as having a game plan with each client leading into the coaching session, uh, that's a lot of preparation the night before, reviewing videos, reviewing flight scope numbers if necessary, uh, looking at Sportsbox AI, 3D stuff if necessary. Uh, it's it's all there. It's, it doesn't take a lot from my end, but, but it's a necessary thing to be prepared for when each individual shows up to see me. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, very important, and I, I agree 100% um, with that approach. You know, you, you have to be inquisitive, I think, in this. In this, but you know, this business is very similar, really, to uh, in a sense, you are a salesman. You're selling yourself, obviously, all the time. Um, but you know, you have to gather information from your students. It's you know, they're a client and. And in some cases, it might be a new student, so it's more of like a prospect, if you will. And 
you want to gather that information, you want to find out, and there's a lot of variables. You're right. It's not just what happens on uh, the golf course, but what happens off the golf course affects their, their mood and, and their willingness to, to um, open themselves up to, to learning new things. Sometimes, you know, you can sense just through that conversation if they're, if they're sort of walled or closed themselves off a little bit, and that can make it very difficult from our standpoint uh, to really get in there and, and help them with some of the difficulties they may be struggling with in their game because they're, they're, they're coming in with a preconceived notion that, well, you know, I, I've been struggling with this for 10 years or what have you, and it's not likely he's going to do anything different. So right away they're, they're coming in with a negative. And it brings me to this question here. I know we've talked about this, or, and certainly you have over the years uh, here on uh, the Coach's Corner panel, uh, but, you know, there's two really things that, that you deal with. Um, you deal with obviously issues that uh, where they might be struggling uh, in their game, whether it be short game, uh, what have you, uh, certain specific things. So those obviously have to be addressed at some point. Uh, but there's also an importance about reinforcing positives in their game as well. We can't just all hit them with, well, you're doing this wrong and you're doing that wrong. So when you're coming in, do you go in with a game plan, especially obviously with students you've worked with, you kind of have a, a little understanding of, of what's going on. Do you come in with a set game plan on what you tackle first in the lesson? And if so, what? Do you tackle uh, you know, the issues right away, or do you start off with some sort of reinforcement dialogue and, and reinforcing the pauses in their game and then address um, you know, uh, some of the issues that they may be struggling with? It's a little bit of both. Uh, actually, I'll give you an example. There's a young man uh, finished up a tournament today out in Colorado who came to me He's been coming to me now for a month or so, uh, and he's always down on himself. And the the week prior, uh, two weeks ago, he was texting and emailing, and and his self talk wasn't where I felt it should be based on what his current skill set is. And he came. I want to work on this. I want to work on that. And I, we sat down, and I said, "This is what we're going to work on. We're going to work on." relabeling not only how you view yourself in your golf game, we're going to relabel and, and change your vernacular, change your vocabulary so you can be your own best friend out on the golf on the golf course and we're going to put you under pressure situations here. We're not going to work on your swing. You've, we, we've done what we need to do and you need more time to get these motion improvements to ingrain themselves. It just doesn't turn on and off like a light switch. And and mm -hmm. he was bewildered. He was absolutely beside himself. But but John, I gotta get this done. Well no you don't. This this is what you need. And and sometimes you just have to as a coach put somebody in their place to say it not so nicely but loosely. Uh while at the same time Somebody will come and they've got a really, really good assessment of of what they want to get done. I've got a regular client from Tampa that sees me every other Saturday who does a lot of practice, who who used to be in the golf business and is very familiar with statistics and the science of the golf swing. And, and the night before, I normally get a text from that person, here's what I've seen, here's what I need to work on. Uh, he'll send me some videos when he gets there Saturday. Not much has changed, and, and as soon as I see – we go to the course immediately, and as soon as we're on the course and I see what's going on, 
99% of the time I'm looking them in the eye going, wow, you're, you've got yourself down. Let's, let's go back and work on these things that you were talking about. So those are the two extremes, and, and everybody sort of mm-hmm. falls in between. There's, there's never, ever a template, per se, that a coach follows right. so much as there, is, there, there are <clears throat> some hints, there's some cues from the symptomatic things physically, but also the symptomatic things that you see that are non-physical. You were talking about assessing from a business standpoint and communication. And I've got a lot of clients who are physicians. And Mm -hmm. when we talk about what they do, and, and, and I've got a lot of friends who are physicians, and when they're asking me about what I do, they sort we all we both sort of sit back and chuckle and go, wow, you're basically doing the same thing when I'm in clinic and I walk into an exam room and I'm, I'm trying to get to the bottom of something. And no two clinical visits in an exam room with the same patient are alike. And, and, and that's very true when, when you've got a really good coach in front of you. You're not going to see them provide you the same thing they gave the last person or talk about the same thing they talked about. The last person, even though you might have the exact same symptoms, it's all about you and it's all about how the symptoms came about. And without being understanding and communicative, there's no way to get to the bottom of your ails and, and try to cure your causes. We're just going to Band-Aid the symptoms until then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that goes to really a truth that you know, even if you have two students that are struggling with the same area, there may be two different solutions to the problems. Um, because I, I think golf instruction has really evolved uh, a lot over the years, you know, from um, sort of a one-size-fits-all to, okay, let's look at your situation. Okay, yeah, you're slicing the ball, and yeah, you're doing that, and there are certain, um, you know, try-and-true things to, to uh, help with that. However, there may be some other issues that are happening in your game as well that we can address that are still going to accomplish the same things but help elevate your game as opposed to treating it as, you know, the, the next guy down the range. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, went on for a long, long time, whereas we kind of just um, not necessarily put a Band-Aid, but we kind of one-size-fits-all. And I think we've learned over the years that that's just not the case, that uh, everybody's different, size different, so on. And abilities, um, not just ability and how they hit the ball and that, but how they approach the game, the commitment levels they're willing to put in. There's a lot of factors that go into it, and um, I think we're learning as you know over the years now that uh, everybody's different, and I think we have to treat it that way. How much change is too much? We see students coming in um, that need a lot of work, and it's not a, you know a simple fix. How much change is too much? Because you run the risk if there's too much that it overwhelms them. Uh, obviously, you're not going to do it all in one session, but um, you've got somebody that needs a lot of work to be able to really improve their game enough that they're actually going to enjoy it. Um, how do you decide that, okay, we're going to make these changes, but it's going to have to be in a certain time frame. Otherwise, it's going to become too complicated and overwhelm them. How do you, is that something that you decide on your own, uh, obviously through conversations with them? 
uh, or do you try to encourage them to go a different route rather than just trying to let's go in here and let's mix it up and do that? What's the conversation that you have? Well, the first conversation we have is to eliminate the word change. Um, I, I've got a I've got an apprentice helping me out now, and he he observed me coaching a couple of people two three weeks ago, and his very first question post was, I noticed you were changing some terms they were using. Do you do that all the time immediately, or you do it by the person? And and my philosophy is. Let's immediately tackle how they talk about change. Let's not talk about it as change. We as humans mm-hmm. hate change. We, we, we fight right. change. We're creatures of habit, and we, we mm-hmm. fear change. So let's really talk about it for what it is. It's motion improvement, and there's certain ways mm-hmm. your body learns new motions and, and movements that you are looking to sustain. So from a hey, some are more difficult than others, sure. But mm-hmm. if we're doing a good job as a coach, we're also assessing where the low-hanging fruit is. And that's typically where you can take you can take a client and have them understand the importance of looking at the simpler things and start having them rearrange how they look at their priorities, uh, the low-hanging fruit being the first things there, and let's label things more correctly. When you label it more correctly, not only do you, do you provide a better and more detailed definition of what you're doing, it's easier for the brain to remember what you're doing. And you, your brain doesn't take it as change. It takes it as a process as part of a movement or a motion improvement. And I think that's really where I try to start, where I have my coaches try to start, because at that point, if we're doing that, it's much easier to measure how much is too much. And sometimes that all in itself is too much, but it's a necessary evil. Right. So if I understand you correctly, so then as just as an example, and I just want to get your thoughts here, um, rather than, you saying to the student, you know what, we need to, I, I notice you've got some issues here, um, I want to change your backswing, it might be better to phrase it, and I'm just paraphrasing, and you may use different uh, vernacular, but um, I see that we can improve or um, ch- uh, not change, what was the word, I've, I've just slipped my mind now, but uh, improve <laughs> your backswing motion and make it better, something along that, I mean, that's just a simplified version, but is that essentially what you're talking about? Is rather than saying, "Hey, we're going to change Absolutely. your backswing," we're going to improve your backswing motion, uh, or I feel we can improve your backswing motion uh, to get you up to the top a little better or faster or whatever. Um, so something along that lines is what you're talking about. Rather than so relabeling or rebranding the vernacular in such a way that it it, it comes across as a lot less threatening to them. Is that the idea? Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and to dig in, into the weeds even deeper, you were talking about a backswing. Oh, maybe mm-hmm. that is a complicated issue for them due to uh, a fitness situation, a mobility situation, yet mm-hmm. during an on-course evaluation, they three-putted everything. It, it's now right. very easy from a mathematical standpoint of view, and, and that should never, ever overtax the brain from a learning standpoint of view that, hey, I've got 
four three putts here. If I eliminate the three putts, that's four strokes I can shave off my score. And I'm borderline 92, 93, trying to break 90. It's a really easy convincing to a client to go, okay, as much as you think and as much as I use the term, this term a lot, as much as you have fallen in lust with all the motion things you think you've got to conquer, which, by the way, are out of priority, let's look at your three putts. Let's give you some things to think about three putts, some some on-hand practical improvement drills that take very little time but take do take some effort that could potentially improve these three putts that buys you the time to get the more complicated things done that buys us the time that if you've got a shoulder mobility problem which is causing your hands to over rotate the club behind you as you take it away then let's work on that or or let's mm-hmm. work on where you should be at impact because uh, th- those bigger movements take more time to make the improvements too. The smaller things, they take almost as much time, but can create more immediate results, which in turn allows you to enjoy the game a little bit quicker. I want to ask this uh, final question on sort of the coaching side of things, if you will. Um and that is, and then we'll get into some of the player issues, um, how do you decide whether or not, because obviously you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, through your instruction, you're trying to encourage or reinforce, uh, you know, certain ideas or, or thoughts. Um, is there come a point in time when you decide, okay, now's a good time that I want to bring this training aid in or other, or other devices um, when do they become necessary for the lesson, do you think? A lot of – there's a lot of great training aids out there. Let me first say that. Um, I have a philosophy behind training aids that if I'm going to introduce a training aid to somebody, it better solve three things. Number one, be very easy to set up and take down and fit into the bag. Because if it doesn't fit mm-hmm. into their golf bag, the likelihood of them using it past the first time is slim to none. Uh, the yeah. second criteria is not only is it easy to set up, as they set it up, are they understanding multiple uses for it? It's just not going to cure one thing. It's, it's right. adaptable. It's, it's flexible enough to where two or three different things can get accomplished. And then the third one, is that they not only see what's going on, they feel what's going on. If a swing aid can't put you in a position to feel differences between what you currently feel in your swing and what you want to feel in your swing, then it's not a good swing aid for you. And that's why there's so many out there. Uh, the yeah. time I, the, as a coach, when I'm trying to introduce it, is I'm going to give everybody the best benefit of the doubt possible to have them feel it on their own, whether it's closing their eyes, closing up all their senses, accept their feel to feel it, uh, having them, putting them in positions, manipulating them into positions. And probably the third thing, it's almost like life-saving, uh, a throw, row, and go kind of thing. And when mm-hmm. I'm going with a swing aid, uh, I've got multiple on hand, and I'm trying to decide, okay, what two or three 
and accomplish this because they may not take to the first one. I've got to have a plan B, a plan C when it comes to a swing aid, again, that they can take home if they want or they can very easily buy and set up themselves and it's portable enough to where they get a lasting result, which also inspires them to continue the use. And, and that sometimes I hit the nail on the head the first try. But if it after mm-hmm. five or ten minutes, if it's not working, I'm right back to the tent trying to find the next best thing for them. And it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the next best thing. I've got two or three ideas. The first one wasn't necessarily the best idea. Yeah, and, and you know, the other issue too, John, I think, with when it comes to, you know, aids or, or devices or what have, and there's a lot of as you said, there's a lot of great stuff on the market, but you're exactly right. Number one, if if, if it's something if it's something that they can use during the lesson and, and exclusively with you, that it's not necessarily something they have to take home, but it might be something that um, helps them warm up better, or it might help them, you know, get that feeling that they need to feel that that they've been working on, um, that's relatable to their swing. You know, I think that's fine. One of the things that I have you know, through talking with people and asking them about that, because I, you know, go up to ranges and things all the time just on my own, just to, you know, sort of do my own thing. And I will watch and see that really very few people bring any sort of training aids at all. Um, you know, I've seen, you know, the old orange whip that we've, you know, seen a number of people swing that up before they start hitting balls. Obviously, we see a lot of alignment rods, that sort of thing sometimes. But really, not as many as you think. I think most people really don't want to carry it uh, don't want to add it to their golf bag. Um, so for whatever reason, maybe they just don't want people knowing that they're working with a training aid. Maybe they do something at home. I don't know. Um, but the other thing, too, is I think, John, is that some people are very apprehensive, If it's especially if it looks like it's complicated. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff up there. Uh, but to be honest, um, for those that maybe aren't as athletic uh, or don't have the same uh, coordination as some of the people demonstrating it, let's say, and I'll use that politely, um, they're very apprehensive about using it. They don't want to look foolish. They don't want to, you know, be doing something incorrect. And, and I think that sometimes makes people a little bit ap- apprehensive. I mean, there's certain clubs that, that, that uh, you know, are weighted and whatnot, and they're, they're pretty straightforward. But then there's other things that, you know, you've got to put this on. I mean, I've been to the PGA show, as, as you have, and you see all kinds of vests, and people are strapped in like they're about ready to be dragged off to the nut house, and people are not going to do that. Um, maybe in a special session, but, um, you know, I don't see people using that. Maybe, you know, you're seeing more of it than I am, but... Uh, I don't particularly see a lot of people using a lot of these different aids. Um, and I think it's because of one, as you pointed out, carrying, having to lug it around with them depending on the, on the size. But also, too, is you know how quickly can you set it up? And, and is it something that's easy to use? Uh, or is it cumbersome or uh, you know not really as simplified as what it's made out to be and people just don't bother? So uh, it's just a, an interesting thing. You, know, I, you see so much, and obviously you know with my uh, uh, deal with golf tips, I get people reaching out all the time for reviews and things, and I'm happy to do it. But when I look at some of the things, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, I don't know if I would necessarily uh, use it myself. So um, sorry for anybody that's sending me stuff. I, I just got to put it out there and be honest. All right, I want to go to, uh, so we got a little bit of time left, and just talk about really from a player's perspective. And I'm not talking about PGA or LPGA players. Uh, you know, the, the sort of adage is, 
you know, typically golf is, is a game for retirees or uh, that's certainly untrue. The largest share of American golfers, and this is from some stats in 2017, was people between the ages of 6 and 34. They make up 69% of all golfers. So no matter your age, if you're interested, obviously, in golf lessons, there's some things that you should know. Um, so uh, I would think, and this would probably one maybe you can expand a little bit, is I think they need to set some golfing goals. What do you think? If you're serious about improving, uh, goals without a plan are basically dreams. And mm -hmm. setting a goal requires a plan. Uh, so, yes, I agree with you. If, if you're going to see any coach for any reason, what's the plan? And that's something that I ask clientele before they ever show up to the first coaching session. What is your plan? What does it look like? Uh, I ask that in a player profile. I ask that on the phone as, as we're trying to feel each other out to see if it's a good fit. The, the real crux to most people's issues with lessons is they come in with a predetermined idea of what they think ails them and what should be done. And if that's not changed because there's more information out there, without the information age of the Internet, that was still something that we all faced as golf coaches. It, it's mm -hmm. a, matter, a matter of understanding, hey, where did you get this information? Where did it come from? If it's something that they have, that, that they have a keen sense of because they're well-educated, that's great. But if it's something that was provided them free of charge, well, free information is worth exactly what you paid for it, if you ask me. Uh, it might be right. with all good intent, but it, who? what's the source of that information? What's the source of that suggestion? Um, and that, mm -hmm. that's always been the case. So I think you've got to come in with a plan. You've got to come in with an open mind for you and the coach to alter and, and flex that plan based on, what your ultimate goals are. Are, are your short-term goals you want to hit the ball better and your long-term goal is you want to shoot 70, yet you're mm -hmm. in 95 land right now and you can't hit a green and you can't putt. Agreed. Right. We, we've got to work on your ball striking. But let's look at some miniature ball striking, chipping, pitching as a, as a segue to get you where you need to be while, again, spending time with your putting. Uh, if you're in the mm -hmm. 70s, hey, I got to hit more fairways. Well, great. Let's let's look at those statistics versus getting all bent out of shape on. I've, I putted 32 times. Well, you may have putted 32 times simply because you said you knew you didn't drive it well. You weren't hitting greens and you right. weren't getting up and down. So, mm -hmm. it, having an understanding of what you're doing is great. You must have a plan. And you're going to a coach to help create and or flex that plan you have without being communicative and open-minded, it's going to be difficult. And, and I think the vast majority of people who walk away from lessons uninspired have a lot to blame on their coach, but they must share and take ownership of that blame because they fail to come in with that open mind to see some potential from a new perspective is the way I'd say it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, too, come in, obviously, as we've talked about before, with very unrealistic expectations. Um, they're not necessarily willing to – Don't even get to, started I mean, with that. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to – yeah, we don't have enough time left to do that. But, you know, we, we've talked about this many times on the show before uh, where we get people who, um, you know, don't set any uh, sort of parameters. And I think a lot of times they come in looking for that Band-Aid. They're just, you know, I'm, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. What can you do? And it's like, you know, they want an instant fix that they can walk away and, and feel good about. But the truth of the matter is, even the best players, if they're away from the game for for a little while or not practicing very much, old habits, things will start to creep in. And so I think it's it's important, obviously, and we're going to skip by this one a little bit, and, and that is, you know, you need to find the right golf instructor for you. You need to interview them. You need to talk to them, have a conversation, uh, talk to several. Don't, you know, certainly it's good to get referrals from um, from maybe other players that you're familiar with and, and then start that conversation. But you need to find somebody that you're comfortable with and that is listening to your needs and so forth. So I think finding the right golf instructor uh, is first and foremost if you're, if you're planning on, on taking lessons. So I don't need you to respond on that. I'm just sort of throwing that in there. Uh, I think this one you touched on a little bit as well, and that is coming to your uh, first lesson prepared, especially if you're just starting with a new uh, instructor or coach, is coming prepared. Uh, what are some tips, uh, just sort of a, a short list, if you will, of some things that you want them to do in order to be prepared for that first lesson? Uh, for me in particular, complete the player profile. Yes. It, it, it's going to take a little bit, but it provides me, my coaches, an opportunity to get a good glimpse of who you are and come up with some ideas based on what we're seeing where we can potentially go in that direction. Uh prepared, be on time, uh, show up when you're supposed to be there. Tea time at 10 o'clock means you're teeing off at 10 o'clock. Same with a golf mm-hmm. lesson. Uh, that that coach, that instructor probably has somebody waiting for him after you. Uh, I know I, I purposely schedule so I don't, but I'm not the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the being there on time, being ready to go when it's your turn to go is pretty darn important these days. Yeah. The the other thing I'd say as far as preparedness, if you've got stats, bring them with you. If you've got information mm-hmm. scorecards, bring it with you. If you've got videos, supply them beforehand. Any information mm-hmm. that you can provide your coach, whether it's your first coaching session with them or your 18th, is invaluable. Uh, it's, so it can set a tone not only to have the lesson accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, it could potentially feed some other ideas, some other things you weren't counting on that the coach is able to provide you which augments what you're trying to get accomplished. At the end of the day, realize that any coach's job is to get you results. But you've right. got to help along that way. Um, I'm big with that with my coaches, with my team. I'm big with myself that way. I will I will infuriate myself and not stop until I get mm-hmm. a result for somebody that they're desiring. But is it the correct mm-hmm. result? And that's where the communication, the preparedness on the client's end really helps me out to understand what result are they truly after. Yeah, and I think just a couple of other points I just want to quickly add, and then I'm going to move on to the next one, is I think you want to have a set of questions. You want to come, in addition to bringing yourself and being ready to go, uh, I think you want to have some questions in mind that um, maybe you particularly want to have addressed uh, during that session. 
Uh, I think also, too, and this might seem like a very simple one, but you'd be surprised, and this is more geared towards, uh, obviously, first-timers or, or new people that have never taken lessons before or very new to the game. Uh, make sure that you, you know, you're there with your clubs, and if you don't own a set of clubs yet, um, and you're just sort of trying to dip your, your feet in the, in the sand, if you will, um, let them know in advance because, obviously, uh, they can provide uh, some equipment, but you need to let them know. And I think the other one, too, is um, now, again, there's a lot of different ways with technology you can do things differently, but bring a journal, a golf journal, um, not only information that you've, you can bring to the table to let the coach know, but also keep track of what you've learned. So maybe at the end of the lesson, uh, take a few moments and jot down some of the things that you've got to, uh, and this is something that you can go over with your with your uh, instructor or coach as well and talk about some of the things that you address during that session so that that way when you step away and he's, he or she's not there, you've got you know, a, a short form or maybe uh, you know, expanded depending on how you put it together um, of things that you've talked about, things that you've learned, the responses you've got, things that you need to work on, that sort of thing. Keep track of that. It's important because that's going to help you prepare for the next lesson as well. And then during the lesson, uh, John, I think that's a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, you know, some people try to come in and impress the instructor with what they know, and um, uh, or they, they don't necessarily answer questions truthfully, um, you know, because they don't want to look bad. You know, instead of saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm actually a 25 handicap, they'll try to embellish and say, well, I'm, you know, kind of a 15 to sometimes a 20, but they'll, they'll sort of embellish their abilities. Um, what's most important to you during the lesson? I think you hit on a really key topic there. Um, uh, I'll embellish it and finish it off by saying, if you're in front of a coach, worth, worth whatever they're worth to you, you're only fooling yourself by not mm. providing the truth to that person uh, because a really good coach is not only going to see it, in my case, I'm going to call you out on it. Um, uh, mm. It's very often I'll do that. I'll look at somebody and say, on your player profile, you said you're a 10. Um, are you sure about that? Uh, I'll give them right. I'll give them a, an opportunity to sort of go backwards a little and, and provide me what's going on. And, and if they don't, I'm very honest. It, it, be prepared for that. As a student, then if you've got yeah. a good coach who's willing to call you out on it, they're calling you out for your own good. So it, mm-hmm. it's not an embarrassment. You you came there to get improve to to improve yourself Mm -hmm. so let's start with where you are versus where you're not um Mm -hmm. the other thing in the middle of a in the middle of a coaching session lesson whatever you want to call it is it's okay to back away and start again you're not there Mm -hmm. to prove anything to anybody including yourself and what i see a lot of clients do is they will rake a ball over and rake it over just trying to prove that they can do something, there's probably a reason why you're not able to do it. And when you back away, start again, and think through the process your coach has provided you, chances are you've missed a detail, or chances are maybe the coach has missed a detail or has missed seeing something about you, maybe a physical deformant or impairment that's preventing you from doing it. Let, let's not try to prove right out of the gate that you're super person and can get this done. You're there because you weren't able to get it done in the first place. It's going to take some time. 
it's going to take a little bit of work, not a lot, and it's going to take the amount of work you want to put into it. So realize there's smart work and there's not such smart work. And when you're working smartly, especially with trying to improve your golf skills, it's not about how quickly you're going to get there. It's about how complete mm-hmm. you're going to get there. And quality is always going to win out over quantity. Back away. Right. Take your time. Don't be in such of a hurry. Uh, the more hurried you are, the less likely the improvement you're seeking will continue to avoid you. Yeah, I couldn't have uh, said that better. And I think at the end of the session, it means at the end of your lesson, um, I think it's important that you ask your uh, coach or instructor for some feedback. Um, you know, I think that's important to do that. Um, maybe get them to summarize what you've learned during the session. Again, that's when a good opportunity you can be taking some notes as they're summarizing it. Um, and um, one or two items you should focus on now. Um, obviously, this is when you're going to be given um, what I like to refer to as home play instead of homework. Um, these are things that um, are going to help you achieve uh, the plan or, or some of the goals that you've worked on. So I think it's important uh, for them to uh, to do that um, is to sort of put that together. Um, and then obviously you want to practice as soon as possible. You want to get out there and work on some of the things that I think uh, your your instructor or coach has, has given you and um, and be able to put that into practice and also into play. Get out on the golf course and you know, uh, obviously you have to be mindful of slow play and things like that, but I think you have to be willing to, um, uh, you know, to uh, certainly put some of that in play um, while you're out there and around because it's the only way you're going to find out if it's if it's going to work for you. And if it doesn't, then obviously those are things that you can discuss the next time around. So any final thoughts uh, or comments, John, as we uh, wrap up uh, together? Uh I like what you just said as far as getting it, getting out and trying it. Uh, I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. to the golf course more and more and more with my clientele so they can do that, so they can understand mm-hmm. how to do that. Uh, going out to the golf course to try it doesn't necessarily always mean that you should be keeping score either. Go out, go out and just try it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've, got, I've got a group of competitive juniors right now that I took out to the course several months ago for them to try out playing from 50 yards or try mm-hmm. out playing from the lead, from the forward tees, rather. And mm-hmm. a couple of them came to me this week and said, hey, at our club, because it's, it's, it's getting mundane, we did this the other day, and we tried playing from 76 yards. I'm like, 76 yards, why? Oh, that, it was my grandfather's birthday yesterday, and that's how old he turned. So that's that's the yardage we played from. And I'm like, cool. Creative, you can get on the course when you're trying to figure out whether it works or not, the better. And the score isn't necessarily the issue. It's, again, a result. Are you achieving the result that you're looking for? Or do you need to, need to hone it a little bit more? It's okay to hone it a little bit more. And if you're not achieving the results, like you said, write it down, document it somehow, video, whatever and be prepared at your next coaching session to bring it up to your coach and say, look, here's what I experienced. Help me get to that next level I'm looking for. It was a lot of fun, but here were the issues I ran into. Help me get through these issues because I think there's more fun on the other side. 
Yeah, I think it's important whenever you're working on new movements or things like that, to, you definitely want to try them out um, and, and really give them a, a good opportunity because any time that, that you modify something in your swing, um, there may be, and, and even the pros will, will tell you that um, sometimes it takes a you know, a sort of a retraining, if you will, of, of your body to, it's it's something, it's almost like something foreign. You're feeling something different than what you normally would, and it takes some getting used to. Um, you know, I remember when I was a youngster, you know, I, I didn't really have a very good grip at, at first, and, and uh, you know, my father would, would uh, you know, adjust things for me, and it felt very awkward, um, very uncomfortable at first because I was not used to it. And I would, you know, kind of creep back to that old version. He would say, no, you've got to, you know, you got to give it some time and try it. And, and before you knew it, um, it didn't take very long. But you know, I, I was gripping the club properly, and it became, you know, secondhand. So I didn't really th- have to think about it any longer. Um, so you know, you have to give things a fair, fair shot. I think the most important thing for both sides, and this is probably the number one thing, is you have to listen. And I'm talking about the coach, and I'm talking about the the player. You have to be willing to listen to one another. Um, you know, the good Lord gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Um, so hopefully we'd listen twice as much as we speak. Um, and I think that you have to be not afraid. Obviously, the coach is there is going to do it. But the coach needs to obviously ask questions and, and quiz uh, uh, their students. But the students also have to be willing to ask questions. And I think one of the things, I'll just wrap this up real quick and then, then we're going to close off. Um, and that is I think it's important not only for the students to be honest, with the instructors or coach that they're working with, let them know where you're really at. Um, as you said, they're going to find out really quickly. Um, but I think it's equally important that during any session, if you do not understand something, you know, don't be afraid to say, you know what, I'm not clear on that, or can you explain it again because uh, I, I didn't quite get it the first time around. Don't be afraid to do that because there's nothing worse than pretending like you know what they're talking about and then at the end of the you know the session, your eyes are glazed over because it just you know it's just gone right over your head. So it takes time to to make uh, change. Uh, I almost said changes to make uh, <laughs> uh, motions, uh, motion uh, differences in your swing and things like that. I got to get that out of my my vocabulary as well. But uh, but you know what I'm talking about. I, I think we're on agreement that is is it has to be a two-way communication between the, the coach and the student. And, and don't come in with expectations of you're just going to get this Band-Aid fix and, and go home and, and you know, you're going to be playing on the PGA or the LPGA Tour uh, tomorrow. It's just not going to happen. You're going to have to put your work in uh, if you want to become a better player. And if you're just out to have fun and that, that's okay too. Um, we're here to help either way, and, uh, but you've got to be willing to do your part and not be afraid to uh, – to engage with your instructor, uh, even the first time around. So, um, John, I think it was a good discussion tonight. I think it was, uh, as they say, kind of a meaty discussion. There was a lot of good nuggets in there I hope that people take away. Um, obviously, we have a lot of other coaches, uh, some of our fellow coaches that listen, and I know that they're well-equipped as well. But sometimes you pick up, uh, as we've had here on the, the panel discussions, uh, picking up different ideas from one another, and I think it's good to exchange that. And hopefully the students that are out there listening as well uh, some of the average players, I hope they were able to pull a little bit uh, away from this uh, and know that they've got to do their part too. It's not just a one-way street. So, um, John, on that note, I'm going to give you an opportunity to wrap yourself up and uh, let the folks know if they want to reach out to John Hughes, the best way they can do it. Well, again, thanks as always for the opportunity. It's, it's been a really nice, slow 
journey with you, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more opportunities in the future. For those of you uh, who have any questions about, you basically heard John Hughes and John Hughes Golf's philosophy behind coaching, and if that's something that's interesting to you and you want to schedule a coaching session with me or any of my staff, you can reach me at john at johnhughesgolf.com. Uh, early on in the process, I made sure it was very simple. You can find me at John Hughes Golf, whether it's social media, any of the, any of the platforms I'm on, email, uh, very simple to find out. The other thing I'd like to do is uh, let everybody know that I'm returning to Macklemore in Rising Fawn, Georgia in October. We'll have more information about that. August the 10th is when I'm going to be announcing that to the general public. Look for October dates, very limited October dates. Had a wonderful time up there in June. I was invited back by my great friend Charlie Reimer. Thanks, Charlie, and uh, the staff up there had a wonderful time, and I hope the people out there will take the opportunity to visit me there in October. Sounds good. Looks like a great track up there. I know you had a good time, and... Uh, it'd be uh, good for those uh, tuning into the show to uh, uh, are planning a, a, to be up in that way to certainly look you up. And again, they can reach you at a variety of different social media platforms. But John, as always, pleasure having you on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, I will see you next time here on the uh, Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ted. Take care. Appreciate it. All right. When we return, we're going to take a quick break. And I will be joined by this evening's guest, Paul Guzman. Uh, from Bat Caddy. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, don't forget to go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe. Uh, It's available in both print and digital version. You can get either or you can get both. So make sure you check it out. Go to GolfTipsMag.com. All right, I'm joined, as I mentioned, uh, by my very special guest. Uh, he's from Bat Caddy. Uh, he first joined them uh, as a manager and customer service and logistics back in April of 2018. Uh, he was quickly promoted to uh, managing director uh, in June. And in August 2020, he took on the additional role of managing the corporate marketing and distribution function. And uh, he currently is the VP of Marketing and Distribution at Bat Caddy. So please welcome my very special guest this night. Uh, Paul Guzman. Good evening, Paul, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. Well, thanks uh, for having me on, Ted. I've been uh, looking forward to it. I, I appreciate it. So um, let's tackle it, I guess, as, as this way first uh, before we get into. Uh, and also on a side note, and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more uh, a little bit later on, but you've got a special promotion for the Golf Talk Live listeners. Uh, we've got a promo code. We'll give you that. Uh, it's going to give them a uh, 10% off their first purchase at uh, batcaddy.com. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. So we appreciate you uh, setting that up for us. 
and uh, absolutely we'll give them all the information. We we want them to stay tuned, though. We don't want them going right now. We want them to stay in tune so they can hear yeah. a little bit more uh, about Batcaddy. But uh, we'll give them that uh, as we go through the conversation several times. But so give us a, just a, sort of a general because we're going to get into specific, uh, specific things here. Excuse me um, about Batcaddy, but just sort of give us an overview. Um, and essentially, when did Bat Caddy sort of come into the golfing market? Give us an overview of the company and how it uh, sort of came about. Sure. Bat Caddy was established in 2004 by Peter Hannaforth, who uh, at that point in time saw a, a, lack, a lack of motorized push carts in the United States market. Uh, he's from overseas where the technology has been adopted for a long time and saw the, an opportunity here. So for the most part, started selling them out of his trunk, golf course to golf course, uh, up and down the East Coast to get started. Uh, here we are, you know, 18 years later, and Backcaddy is one of the, the leading motorized push cart providers in the United States. Um, we've really led that charge over the last two decades. Uh, and we have everything from non-remote control caddies that are, are just motor assist that you can walk along with to fully, uh, fully directional, fully uh, with all the bells and whistles, remote control caddies that you can walk along and, and drive like your old little RC cars up and down the, right. the fairway and not have to worry about lugging your bags around. You know, our, uh, our goal has really been to allow golfers to walk. Uh, more comfortably play a better brand of golf uh, and walk longer than they they could if they had to lug clubs around. Um, you know, we yeah, and, really and, believe in the purity of the game with that piece. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. You know, I was uh, a couple of months ago. I was at Pinehurst, and um, you know, I must admit, uh, you know, I don't always get out to walk around. And I played a couple of the courses up there while I was there, and of course walked. And, you know, I really enjoyed it because it's something that, um, you know, I, I think we take for granted, uh, especially here in the United States, uh, you know, the, uh, and, and I'm not knocking it, uh, sometimes it's applicable depending on the length of the course, but, you know, with, mm -hmm. the, with the power carts, and I'm not talking your power carts, but I'm talking about the driving carts, um, it kind of takes away, you know, you feel like you, you hit the ball and you're up there in, in a few minutes and you're right there and you're not really taking in the surroundings and golf courses I'm sure you can attest to as well, are actually beautiful works of art. I mean, some of them are very, very well uh, put together, and it's uh, it's a shame, really, that people don't enjoy it. So, you know, you guys have, have as you said, come to the forefront in the market here in the United States, um, something that really, I think, was lacking for a long time. And a lot of people are looking, um, you know, they're they're more health conscious now, and it's not just the younger generation, but even the older generation are saying, you know what, I want to get back to walking on, but it's, yeah, you know, lugging that bag around is, is too much, and yeah, you can lighten it a little bit, um, and not everybody wants to shell out for a caddy. Not all courses offer a caddy, so, um, you know, this is right. a great al alternative. So what has been some of the response from customers? I don't want to be specifically on the products right yet. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, about the, the mm -hmm. whole idea of, of getting back and, and walking the golf course, what has been some of the as you guys put more and more products together and, and views and ideas together, you've obviously done a lot of research uh, out to the customer base. What has been some of the feedback as to why they want to go this route? We really have two different segments of customers. 
right? We have golfers who have typically ridden in a cart uh, who are getting out to maybe walk for the first time. And then you have the other group of, of walkers who carry their bags forever uh, right. and are, are looking or being convinced to put the bag down, so to speak, right? Um, from the cart riders, the biggest thing that I hear, and I really experienced this um, for myself growing up, is when you walk, it's just a different vibe, right? The, mm-hmm. Like you were talking about, these courses as work of art. And I think, too, as you, you play the game and you start to learn a little bit about how courses are laid out and, and the visual, sometimes trickery, and right? It's just a different feel to walk the course and see it as the designers were meant for it to be seen, you know, walking down the middle of the fairway, which I can do now because uh, every now and then I hit it there, right? <laughs> like, I don't, don't always get quite that walk. But, uh, right. <laughs> you know, and the timing is different. Um, it really takes people a little while to get used to that different rhythm, really, on the course when, mm-hmm. when they're walking versus coming out of a cart. Uh, but the overwhelming response is how much more they enjoy the game, how much more they feel connected to it. Um, for walkers who traditionally carry, which is probably for us a more challenging segment to convince, mm-hmm. um, a lot of those that that group are the purists, uh, and so a motorized golf caddy kind of is out of that norm. Um, but it's the closest thing you can get to having a caddy on your bag uh, and not having right. to lug it around and. And the response we get from them is the difference they feel physically from not having to carry a bag for 18 holes, uh, especially the more challenging hilly courses. You know, it's, it's a good walk. And if you've got a bag slung around your shoulders, you're going to have some shoulder tension. You're going to have some muscle fatigue that you wouldn't otherwise have if you, if you didn't have to carry that bag around. Yeah, and, and you're exactly right. And and I find, too, like I and I'm going to just use my experience when I went to Pinehurst, one of the things that I mm-hmm. found is it put me in a whole different cadence uh, when I was walking mm-hmm. around. You know, one of the problems uh, with, with the carts, and, and again, I'm not knocking them. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, there's something for everybody out there. The thing that I always found is you're, you, for, especially for somebody – um, I'm certainly not like Freddie, Freddie Couples where I'm just sort of laid back and, and can you easy going. I've got a little quicker pace than he does. Um, yeah. But I found that sometimes riding a, a golf cart um, throws me out of my natural rhythm. I feel like I'm rushed all the time. A lot of people feel that way and they're rushed. Right. And, and a lot of times you are being rushed because the marshal's coming up behind you. But, um, but sure. you know, I, I just find that you're not really – um, enjoying the, the, the scenery and whatnot, but, you know, it gives you a, a more time to prepare and think as you're getting ready for your next shot um, to, to be able to do that. So for me, it was very, very pleasurable experience because, unfortunately, you know, I'm here in Florida, and a lot of the golf courses are mm-hmm. uh, pretty much mandatory. Now, some of them are changing, but right. a lot of them were mandatory for a long time. So you didn't have a choice. Sure. And I'll be honest, I didn't like it. Um, I would prefer to walk. So... But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. So I want to walk through a little bit um, through the lineup because you do offer, you, you have obviously uh, the non-motorized as well, but let's go through mm-hmm. some of the, the range of what you offer. So from sort of a basic uh, model, if you will, give us an idea of what uh, somebody that just wants to, 
again, maybe not jump right into the full bells and whistles, but maybe some a more basic option. What are some of the options they have? And then sort of walk step us up to the the more advanced uh, models that are available. Sure. We we start with our entry level model as an X3 Sport, and what we're looking at for those people who are, are kind of just getting ready to make the switch, they're not ready for all the bells and whistles, is, is it's really something that's simple to operate and makes sense. Uh, so the X3 Sport has a motor, uh, it's self-propelled, it has a speed control that you can set to match your walking speed, and then it has a button that starts and stops the caddy. Uh, it also has if, uh, a timer feature where you can set it to go down the fairway 10, 20, or 30 yards ahead of, ahead of you, but most people will just walk along with it, use the button to pause it, hit their shot, put their club back in their bag, push the button, and, and walk on down the course. And, and with those, usually you're holding onto the handle to, to steer it and to just kind of make sure it's going where you want it to go. Um, really mm -hmm. effortless. Uh, all of our models, as, as we work up through them, are really designed to be secondary to the golf. Um, you know, we don't have any GPS or, or big, huge video displays on our caddies, and it's by design um, the simplicity of what we have out there so that you don't have to think about it. Um, as you get up into our remote control models, we have the X3R, which is kind of like the original, the workhorse that we've had around forever. Uh, that is fully directional remote control which is as simple as pushing the little arrow buttons on the keypad and making it go forward and turn right and left and go backwards. Uh, it also has a downhill speed control, so you can control it going down the downhills. You don't have to hold on to it. And that is also backed up by the manual uh, speed system, too. So if you wanted to use it and walk along with it without the remote control, you have that ability as well. Uh, and then we go up through our X4R, which has a, a couple more features. It's an all-metal all frame. Uh, and then into our X8R, which is a little more compact uh, and also has a true freewheel mode for people who, uh, you know, take the cart rides that they're not supposed to take going from 9 to 10. Uh, we have the ability for those wheels to, to loosen up and not spin the motors when you're, you're doing it. And that, as I mentioned, that one gets even a little bit smaller and more compact for trunk space. All of our models have quick-release wheels. Uh, they're really simple to fold up and get in your trunk. Uh, one of the other nice features that we have is we've kept our lead-acid batteries, which are the first technology back in, in the aughts to come with these. Um, We've done that to keep a lower price point for people who are looking at an entry-level model and not quite sure. Uh, that may be the investment that they want to make because uh, our caddies range anywhere from $450 up to $1,400, right? So we have right. a price point in there for, for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. But if you get that entry-level model and you decide that you want to upgrade to a better battery, which we have three battery options, all three of those battery options are interchangeable among carts. So say you've had your caddy for a couple of years, uh, and you want to upgrade to a better lithium battery that's a lot lighter and more, more portable and is going to last, give you more rounds per charge and for the life of the battery, you can upgrade your caddy. You don't have to purchase an entirely new back caddy for that technology. Um, so we've really done a lot of mix and matching back and forth to try and make it easy for the consumer to adopt the technology 
and then a lot of steps in there for them to be able to, to find the level of, of functionality and price that they want. And that's a great, I, I want to stop you there for a second. That's a great point that you raise because that's, uh, you know, something unfortunately with a lot of products, not necessarily in this environment, but, you know, you, you can get in at an entry level, but then you always have to upgrade to um, a whole new system or what have you. And that a lot of times makes people apprehensive. The fact that you have mm-hmm. um, put things together in such a way that if they want to sort of dip their toes, uh, if they will, in the water, uh, figuratively speaking, and say, okay, you know what, I'm not sure if this is going to be for me, but, you know, it looks great, I want to test it out, and they buy an entry-level product, and they decide that they want something a little bit more ramped up, they don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, go out and buy the whole cart again uh, and or horse. They can actually just upgrade to, uh, a, a better uh, battery, more long-lasting battery, and so forth, um, and actually just swap it out for what they have, um, as opposed to having to buy a whole new setup. And that, and that really is makes it very appealing um, for consumers because you know it, it, they're not trading in the whole thing; um, they're just up, upgrading, if you will, what they currently have. So that's a, a great selling feature right there in itself. Yeah, exactly. And with with the technology not being mainstream yet, right? We're still very, as far as, you know, compared to the amount of golfers that are out there in the United States, the amount of, of motorized push carts that are out there between us and our, our competitors is, is very, very small. So we're looking at, right. you know, how do we lower that, that barrier of adoption and for people who are, are questioning the technology to begin with? You know, we also just started yep. uh, on that point this last summer. We offered started offering a trade-in program too for people who have mm-hmm. uh, older electric-powered caddies, kind of the old push or pull it into the car lot trade-in deal, where we uh, right. give people a $200 credit for trading in any old electric caddy that they have. And we've seen some real, <laughs> we've seen some real winners right. come in the doors <laughs> from, uh, <laughs> that have seen their share. They've been out for the battle yeah. for sure. <laughs> I can ima- I can imagine, um, but you know that's again that's another great feature of your company is to have that ability. Again, you know you're you get a lot of golfers um, that get out there and play a lot of rounds. Um, you know things get banged up and and whatnot, and they say you know what it's time for a new one. Um, what do I do? Do I just pitch the old one out, or I try to sell it on eBay or something? No, I can trade it in with mm-hmm. that caddy. I'm going to get you know a, a reasonable amount that I can apply to as a credit to a new uh, model and, uh, and go out and do the whole process again. So I think that's a great feature for you guys to, to offer um, you know, to your customers and that because that, I think that's important. That just, uh, again, it offers an opportunity for it to be a repeat customer uh, and gives them mm-hmm. something for um, their existing. And, yeah, you're going you're gonna to see some beat-up models. But, and you also oh, yeah. have, um, at a, as well, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I'll have to get you to send some photos one of these days to take a look at them. <laughs> imagine. But, um, you also have, uh, yeah, I, I can just, seriously, I can imagine. Um, you've got demo and pre-owned as well, right? Correct. Correct. So we have demo models, which are our showroom we've had out and shown and displayed. Uh, and we also we sell at a, a discount, and then we also have our certified pre-owned that we have from our trade-ins that are are in decent enough shape uh, that we run through an entire inspection, put everything back in it that needs to be put in, uh, touch them up, put a brand new battery in them, and those go out the door uh, at a little bit bigger of a discount than the demos. 
but they do come with the exact same warranty that our brand new models do, which is a, a, a two-year warranty for the the frame and the powertrain on those and all the electronics. Wow. So you can you can get a wow. deal on some of them uh, when we have them in stock. They tend to go pretty quick. Uh, you know, people see the the our ability to back those when we put them out in the field, and it's a nice way to save a little bit of money off the top too. Right, exactly. I'm going to quickly do this uh, the promo code. Um, I don't want people to leave. This is something for you to write down and you can listen to for later. But um, Batcaddy is offering a promo code to the Golf Talk Live listeners. It's GTL2022. Uh, to all of our listeners, the promo code again is GTL2022. Uh, you get 10% off their first purchase at Batcaddy.com. So at the end of the show, I want you, for those of you who are interested, uh, definitely go out and uh, save yourself a little bit money, so a little bit extra. Uh, it's a great product, um, and I think it's uh, something you definitely want to take advantage of and treat yourself. We've still got lots of golf left this season. So, again, that promo code is GTL2022. You'll get 10% off your first purchase at batcaddy.com. All right, Paul, I want to ask you, before we get into um, talking about you've got a limited edition XR or X9R Carbon, I want to get a little bit of information on that. But before we do that, um, let's talk about, if you wouldn't mind, um, about the batteries for a second. As you mentioned, you know, a lot of this technology that's coming out is still you know, fairly new to uh, a lot of folks. Uh, lithium batteries have been around, of course, uh, for a while with uh, everything from cell phones to other uh, electronic gadgets. Um, and this is something, obviously, that you offer as well. And you have uh, three different performance levels, actually, of batteries that they can choose from. Um, in, in addition to the five models of, of products. Um, typically, how long uh, will the batteries last, you know, given sort of average use? Uh, maybe give us some specs if you wouldn't mind. And then also, how long um, does it take to typically, from, say, the first charge, how long does it typically take to charge them up? Um, and, again, nor given normal use, if you will, or average use, uh, how long will they last before they need to technically be charged again? Sure. The, as I mentioned, we still have the lead acid batteries that we are, are on our base models. Those are good for around 100 to 150 charges. Uh, so okay. when we get into how long, like how long are you going to be able to play golf for seasons, years-wise, it really just depends on how often you play. And that's the, sure. the question we'll usually ask people when, when they're asking about the batteries is how many rounds do you play in a week and how can we match you with the right battery that you're not going to be coming back in eight months uh, with a battery that's not charging anymore. So the mm -hmm. SLA seasonal golfers, uh, guys who are out there, you know, one, once a week, uh, an SLA will take six to ten hours to charge, depending Mm -hmm. um, on how, how much you've actually used it. We do recommend charging all of our batteries after every round. Um, the high-end lithium batteries will go 36 holes on a single charge. Um, mm -hmm. If you don't have to do that, it's just better for the batteries themselves if you charge them in between rounds. Um, but the next step up from the, the lead-acid battery is our standard lithium battery, which is a, a lithium-ion mm -hmm. battery. And that is good for around four to 500 charging cycles. Um, so, again, depending on how much you're out there, if you're playing 200 rounds a year, you're going to wear that guy out in a, a couple of years. And that charges uh, after a use anywhere from, from three to five hours, 
is pretty standard to charge it back up to full mm -hmm. capacity. And then, as I mentioned, we do have our advanced lithium battery, which is a, a lithium phosphate battery. Uh, it's one of the one of the better batteries out there on the market. Uh, you're looking at uh, over 2,000 life cycles, charging life cycles on that battery, and that wow. is a 36 hole battery. So, when we one of the confusing things I think sometimes when people talk about charging cycles, because that's not necessarily rounds. Um, especially right. a, a battery that can last 36 holes. A, a, a charging cycle for a battery is basically charging it from zero to 100. So if it only goes down to 50% and you charge it to 100%, you've only used half of a charging cycle as well. So it could be 4,000, 5,000 actual rounds that you get out of that battery. Um, we've had people who've had that battery six, seven, eight years and play a lot of golf. Um, and yeah. the other big advantage of the lithium batteries is the weight. Uh, the lead-acid battery is a 25-pound battery, uh, whereas the lithium right. batteries are, are 4 and 7 pounds, respectively. So there's also uh, that to think about for some of our, our older customers who maybe don't want to be tossing 25 pounds around every time they get out there. <laughs> they, usually opt, they usually opt for the, the lithium battery as a, a, a matter of course. So. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense too. I mean, again, especially for somebody um, that's playing a lot of golf, you want something that's going to, you know, give you a, a much better return on that investment. Um, and again, you know, if it's, uh, you know, f uh, four pounds or seven pounds, that's uh, something that most even seniors can handle. But yeah, 25 is a little bit more. But uh, again, I understand it's the technology <laughs> is the difference. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. even I, I don't want to be slugging that around. But, um, but um, no, you know, a good again, kettlebell it, workout it, is what that is. Right. Well, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm doing my uh, my daily workout or something, but but no, all, all kidding aside. Uh, I mean, obviously, as technology changes, and we're going to see those even come down. Uh, even the lithium is going to come down as as more advanced technology comes through, and eventually you'll you know probably be under a pound at some point. But um, um, but you know, it, it's just it's good that they have a variety, and I think that's important. It gives them some different options. And again, for somebody that maybe doesn't play a lot, uh, you know, they don't want to. Uh, necessarily need one that gets you know a couple of thousand uh, life uh, cycles, if you will. Um, it still might be mm -hmm. worth the, the money to invest, uh, anyways, if you plan on playing sure. a lot. But for somebody that's new, the one thing I do like about, and again, this goes back to what you said earlier, is the fact that if they're um, if they make a purchase at an entry level and they decide, you know what, um, I am playing a lot more and I need to you know up it a little bit. They have that option to to trade in and and do things, and that's that again that goes to what we were talking about a few moments ago. So that's a great mm -hmm. feature, if you will, or offer to have, uh, because sometimes you don't know, uh, especially for newer golfers, you don't know what your, uh, you know how how well you're going to like the game. You might first started this year and you decide that you want to you know walk more, and and this is a great option, and you've decided to make the purchase, and you get out there and find you're playing a lot more than you thought you were going to play, and. You know, not that the battery's not working, but maybe you need to step it up a little bit more. So that's great to, to have that as an option. As I mentioned, you've got a limited yeah. edition X9R Carbon. Tell us about that. It sounds uh, pretty exciting. We did. We did. We ran, uh, a, for the first time this year, we actually put out a limited edition model, um, which was a small run for us to kind of test the, the higher end of the market and put all of kind of the things that we've learned over the years uh, into, a, into a caddy. Um, 
the X9R, it came in two versions. It was the painted version and then the carbon-wrapped version. So both of those caddies, one of our main focuses, we were just talking about battery weight, was getting the weight down overall on, on the caddy itself. Uh, and we got that caddy with the battery to come in at right around 24 pounds, which is uh, 7 to 10 pounds less than our, our leading competition out there. Um, and just mm-hmm. the spectacular weight point. So we're talking about a battery that weighs 25 pounds on its own. Right now we have this entire frame, battery, wheels, accessories that all come in at under under that weight, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and just the uh, the geometries that we were able to play with created a little bit more of a stable cart. It was the widest caddy that we've we've put out to date, um, not by much, uh, only a, only a half inch wider, but just the little tweaks here and there in design created a, our most stable, lightest caddy that we've ever put out on the market. Uh, and that's really what we we're going for. Again, functionality, uh, design, very simple, very straightforward. Um, how do we make it easier to play golf with this? Uh, we sold out of that X9R really quickly. Uh, and so right mm-hmm. now we're looking at uh, running another another limited edition set for, for the holidays if that, that works out for us. So um, for those who saw them and were unable to get them, keep your eyes open around the holidays. Again, we'll probably put out another limited run of them. But we don't have them as a regular model yet. We uh, are experimenting with our, our limited runs on some, some more niche products for us. As that was, uh, those came in at a price point of six, $1,600, $1,700. Mm-hmm. So that really was kind of a stretch for us to go up that right. high. Uh, but they were really, really well received. Well, and, and again, you know, sometimes with um, – a model like that where you do have some uh, additional features perhaps or you've got a different technology uh, into the actual process, uh, making it a limited edition, um, you know, people don't mind. If, if it's built well, if it's good quality, if, they're, if people feel like they're getting um, good quality for the price, um, people will pay that. Uh, slightly higher rate than typically what you're what you're charging for your currently your higher end model your X8, but um, that's something too. Again, you know, obviously you experiment with and, and do different things to find out what's going to work best for you. But obviously it was successful because you sold out. So um, yeah, you know, it, it has you know it, it gives you pause to think and say, okay, you know what, we're on something here. Maybe we uh, need to come out with another one. Uh, I want to also point out too, uh, Bat Caddy has a lot of different accessories. We've got too many to go through them all, but a lot of them. And I believe if I'm I'm on your site right now, that's why I'm, I wanted to talk about it. Is you guys are yeah. having a summer sale until July thirty uh, first, which is just a, a few days from now. Uh, but you can save uh, 50% on all of the accessories, and there's a lot of them here. So for those of you that maybe already have a bat caddy and you're looking to uh, add a few of the accessories, now's the time to jump on the website, batty, uh, batcaddy.com, and uh, check out some of the sale prices here as well. But what are some of the more popular accessories that uh, that you guys have that, that seem to be really good sellers? Uh, in the heat of summer right now, the umbrella has been very popular. Yes. Uh, any, any shade that anyone can get out there, uh, they've been going pretty quick. Also, our, our cooler bag that we have that fits uh-huh. on the, the different frames, obviously for keeping your uh, you know your 
cheese cheese sandwich and turn it into a melted cheese sandwich. Um, mm-hmm. Some water bottles that we have, and we just got uh, our bags, which are going really well. We have an ultralight, uh, under four pound bag that's also waterproof uh, that fits on the cart really nice. That's been popular. Uh, that is uh, not just 50. All of our accessories are 50% off right now. Uh, but with the purchase of any new caddy, uh, customers have the choice to choose between either a free bag to go with their caddy uh, or uh, pretty much an all-inclusive accessory package that has uh, our seat, the cooler bag, the umbrella, GPS holder, water bottle, pretty much everything you need to load out your caddy uh, is coming as, as part of this summer sale with any new remote control caddy purchase. And, you know, you also, I noticed, too, that um, for all of your uh, models, the X3, X4, and X8, um, you offer some spare parts because uh, you never know. As you said, some of them get beaten up out there, and, and maybe they need to replace something uh, and whatnot. Uh, you guys have that handled as well, right? Absolutely. We we definitely have some old war horses out there, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and just over the course of, of use, treads are going to wear out, Um but also, right. you know, we have since we've had carts out there since 2004. Uh, we have customers who they want that original cart to run as long as they can. They're, they're tinkers, they're gadget guys, uh, and so yeah. one of the things that our philosophies from the very beginning was kind of right to repair, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, along with that simplicity of design, the components that we use also just to and the entire structure of the caddy are very simple, very plug-and-play. Everything from the wheels to the internal electronics can be switched out by customers at their home. Uh, we do have mm-hmm. videos to help people through those processes, and some of them are, you know, you got to have a couple tools. But we've really invested in the idea that um, if you want to repair your caddy and keep it running, you should be able to do that. And so we've made it really simple for customers that way. Yeah, I think that the easier and the more simplistic you can make a product um, to not just operate, but also uh, in a case where you might have to make a repair here and there, um, if it's if it's too technically involved or too difficult for people to do, and I don't care how tech savvy you are, there's a lot of products. Um, mm-hmm. If you've ever put together a, a barbecue, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's always <laughs> a few extra screws left over. Um, but all, all kidding aside, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it's nice that you have uh, obviously those options available for people if that need to, uh, you know, uh, swap out a part or something because it's uh, treads worn out or what have you, uh, or a bar happens to get bent or something they can handle, they can uh, swap that out, and it's something easily that they can uh, can do themselves. They don't have to take it to a uh, shop somewhere or take it into, a, you know, uh, your location to have it uh, uh, done by a technician or something. It's something they can do themselves. Let's, right. If you wouldn't mind, I want to ask you about some of the clientele. Um, obviously, I imagine when, when things first started, uh, you probably had maybe a little older golfer that uh, sort of gravitated to uh, bat caddy. Are you starting to see now as more and more people come into it, and particularly more younger golfers, are you seeing, um, obviously I imagine, and I don't know what your stats are as far as the percentages, but I would imagine you're still probably um, a good percentage of, of some older, uh, more seasoned golfers, but are you starting to see a younger demographic 
get attracted to bat caddy now as well as more of them want to are health conscious they want to walk and they want to get out and enjoy the the scenery as we discussed earlier are you starting to see that trend as well yes there's definitely an influx uh especially since the the pandemic started right and and we right. became one of the only one of the only outdoor activities for people to to go out and do uh, and golf saw you know huge growth over over 2020 and 2021. Um, a lot of those younger golfers who came in for us came. You know, I, I talked earlier about the purists out there who want to carry their bag, and, and that's what they're going to do. Um, a lot of the the younger folks who are newer to the game don't have that ideology, and so we're more open mm-hmm. towards technology as a, a way to help. Um, our demographic, our, our, our main customer base is, is definitely still older. Uh, and right. people who, you know, the golfers out there who really appreciate being able to walk right. uh, a lot for their health, yes. but at the same time also understand the, the value of not having to carry their bags. Um, I myself am uh, in that middle. I'm not quite seasoned yet, I, I wouldn't say, but I'm not a, a young pup anymore either. <laughs> Right, um, but I'm a gadget guy, right? I love I love right. gadgets, and I remember the first time that I ever saw one of these um, going down the course between some trees all on its own, you know, assuming that somebody lost their cart going down a hill uh, and was about to lose their their bag in the water, but then it just kind of keeps going, and then it steers and turns, and I was really intrigued um, by that. And so when I was uh, introduced to that caddy, kind of everything came full circle for me. And uh, once I started golfing myself with uh, an electric push cart, it was a real game changer for me. Because I'd split, like, I really didn't like carrying my clubs. I would ride sometimes. Uh, You know, every now and then I still ride if we're at a course. We still have courses out here in California where we have to ride. Um, right. But to be able to walk and to not carry my bag was was really awesome, you know. And so for me, that's kind of been my my pulpit to get on, especially for the younger the younger generation of that you don't have to carry, and you can get out and you can enjoy the game of golf in a way that is different than if you're in a, in a cart, you know. There's, as as you said, there's always the place for that, um, you know, and that's its own experience cruising around in a cart and and tossing a few back with your buddies and and having that that day of golf. Uh, and then there's also the day of golf where you're just walking down the fairway and, and it's birds and, and uh, you know, the squirrels are running across the fairway and the deer are over on the side and, uh, you know, the sun hits it just right. And, and there's that, you know, those moments of zen on the golf course that I, I personally don't feel very often when I'm riding in a cart that just uh, are one of the things that really connect me to the game of golf in general that, you know, those are the memories I have as a little little boy carrying my dad's bag right. around the course right. and just having those moments of, of, you know, peace and serenity out there and, um, you know, those, those silent moments of gratitude almost of, of being out there and being able to play the game and, and being out there with your friends uh, is really just ir- irreplaceable to me. It's something that I really, really enjoy. Yeah, and, and you're so right, um, Paul, because, you know, as I look at this next generation of golfers, and you're exactly right through, uh, you know, this pandemic, um, the golf industry was, was really very blessed in a lot of ways because we were essentially the only game in town 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, it was battling between us and Netflix. Um, you know, and people got <laughs> tired of watching the same movies, and it was like, okay, well, now what do we do? And um, you know, a lot of, uh, particularly young folks, uh, we've seen a huge influx from a younger generation coming out. But what we've mm-hmm. noticed, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, is you know, it's it's about fun for them. It's not, you know, they're not taking it quite mm-hmm. as seriously as some of the more seasoned veterans of the game, and they just want to go out and fun. And that's why you're seeing companies coming out with these portable speakers that, uh, you know, can uh, GPS and give the yardages, but at the same time play their, their favorite, uh, you know, Spotify uh, playlist. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that's something that Batcat, I don't know if you're already offering that, but maybe, uh, you know, they can strap on their favorite uh, speaker or, or something and, uh and uh, add a few tunes to to their bat caddy, and and uh, you might have a whole new uh, generation of of uh, buyers um, and clients. But you know, th- this is what they're looking for: is they're looking to make it fun. And again, they're very, very. It, I don't want to say so much health conscious, but it's a sort of back to nature. They want to just get out there and enjoy um, what's the surroundings around them and have fun with their friends and things. And again, I'm not trying to to you know, take away from the golf cart uh, side of things, but uh, there's a, a place for that too. But I think that what yeah. you guys offer is is something that um, sort of brings you back to that more traditional uh, with a little bit of an uptick, if you will, I guess is the best way to put it, is the, the benefits of walking, but at the same time um, having something there that's going to handle the load, if you will, especially with today's golf bags and equipment and, and <laughs> things like that. You need something to... Uh, to help shoulder the load because it uh, it hurts carrying that bag after a while and and not everybody uh, has access to caddies but um, so what's coming down the pipe? I know you can't give out maybe too many secrets. You said you may be coming out with another um, uh, another limited edition perhaps uh, in the near future. Uh, what are some other things? What are other uh, opportunities? Do you think that Bat Caddy has to to really tap into this uh, this golf market? So without without giving anything away, we've we've been <laughs> this is a year that we've been targeting here for a little while. Uh, our goal is always to expand the market, kind of like what we've been talking about. How do we lower that barrier right. entry for people who are interested in the technology? Um, mm-hmm. And really for us, it's about expansion of of, of model lines and affordability. Um, so right. as we get into the to the end of the year. Um, we're really going to be looking at, at doing some a couple of things that are going to change the market a little bit uh, and really make it more affordable for people to get involved in in the game in a way that they want mm-hmm. to with technology that's going to mm-hmm. help them help them play better golf really at the end of the day. Right, right, exactly. Well, what we'll have to do at that point is as you get progressed a little closer and you are able to share that. Um, we'll have you back on the show and and talk about some of the things that when it's appropriate. But uh, I know I don't want you giving I don't want to get you in trouble <laughs> giving away too many secrets uh, too soon. Uh, we'll save that we'll save that for another time. But um, um, I really appreciate it. It's very interesting and uh, obviously I've I've been in the golf business for a long time, so I'm familiar with with uh, who you guys are and and uh, what you have to offer. And I think it's great. And which reminds me, I'm going to give another plug to the promo code that you very generously put together for us. It's GTL. 2022. Uh, this is for Golf Talk Live listeners. You can go out and get uh, 10% off your first purchase at batcaddy.com. So go to batcaddy.com, uh, find out what it is that you want to purchase, which model you want to get, 
and then at checkout enter promo code uh, GTL2022, that's GTL2022, and get uh, 10% off your first purchase at batcaddy.com. Paul, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, any final thoughts or, or things that you want to uh, say as we get ready to wrap up? No, just thanks for having me on today. It's always a pleasure to talk, and I look forward to being on again when we have some more news for you. Yeah, I appreciate that as well. And just uh, food for thought, uh, I will certainly reach out uh, uh, to the appropriate uh, parties, but um, um, I uh, am the publisher and editor of Golf Tips Magazine, and we're getting ready to do our uh, holiday gift guide. This may be something that you want to include in that holiday gift guide. There's obviously no cost to you guys. Um, so I will reach out to the appropriate yeah. parties, and you guys may want to uh, have one of your products uh, featured in the uh, in the magazine uh, in the upcoming issue. Absolutely. So um, we'll we'll do that uh, at a later point. But um, I appreciate Paul coming on. It's very interesting to share uh, a little bit more about uh, Bat Caddy and uh, some of the various products and technology that you guys are have been working on and are working on. So much continued success, um, and I look forward to having you join me again in a future show here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining me. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Paul Guzman, the VP Marketing and Distribution at Bat Caddy. And, uh, again, if you're uh, listening to the show and you want to uh, take advantage of uh, special savings, uh, you can earn uh, 10% off uh, your first purchase at batcaddy.com by entering promo code GTL2022. That's GTL2022 um, into uh, the uh, checkout when you're ready to uh, uh, finalize your purchase at batcaddy.com and save 10% off the purchase price. So I want to thank, uh, again, our special guest, Paul Guzman uh, from Batcaddy and also my good friend, uh, John Hughes uh, for joining me a little bit earlier on this evening uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. Thanks, as always, John, for doing a great job uh, and helping uh, share some knowledge uh, that you've acquired over the many years uh, with my audience. On that note, I will see you guys next week. Don't forget, if you're just tuning in a little bit late and you want to hear uh, more of the program, if you didn't get to, to hear some of the earlier segment of the program, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash live and scroll down to the on-demand section. Just wait a little bit after the show ends, which will be here momentarily, and you'll hear, uh, can see the recorded version and listen to it in its entirety there. Don't forget to join me every Tuesday as well on the blogtalkradio.com network for the Women of Golf show. You can find myself and my good friend, LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, uh, every Tuesday morning at blogtalkradio.com forward slash womenofgolf. Uh, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the same network. So make sure you check us out on Tuesday, and then I will circle back on next Thursday uh, as we roll into August um, for another great uh, Coach's Corner panel and an insightful interview with my special guest of the evening. So I hope you'll join us. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. 
This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.